0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. I want to thank you for listening to the broadcast today. And today is going to be a two-part broadcast. We're talking about the power of the Word of God. And we're living in a day and age, it seems like the Bible is under assault. It seems like many people are prohibiting the distribution of God's word. Many people are refusing to read God's word. And I want you to know that the word of God can set you free. And I am so thankful that God gave us uh, what some would call a love letter to us, what some would call the very will of God, what some would call the salvation of God. All these things are true to describe the word of God. So we are gonna be looking today and tomorrow at the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written to Hebrew believers who became followers of Christ. And so this letter, now, I believe was written by Paul. So throughout the message today and tomorrow, I'm going to say, well, Paul said this. And so you may disagree with me on that. Not everybody believes that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, but we know that God wrote it and he was moving upon the hearts of somebody. And I just happen to believe it was Paul. And so what I want to do at the beginning of the broadcast is I want to give you an overview of the book of Hebrews. We're going to focus on one particular passage. I'm going to read that to you, give you some background information, and then give you an overview of all of the book of Hebrews, and there are five dangers. And so you're going to have to listen to today's broadcast and tomorrow's broadcast to get all five of them. And so here is what Hebrews 4, and 12 says, let us, That's uh, an invitation for everyone, not just Hebrew believers, but for everyone to make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. Now that verse, you may say, well, what does that have to do with the next verse? Because the next verse says, the Word of God is alive. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit that joins in the morrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Well, as we look at this, we discover that the Hebrew believers and also us as the application is that we must remember to rest. We must enter into that Sabbath rest because if we do not, we're actually living in disobedience. And so Paul is going back and he's giving us the illustration of those who knew the history of the Hebrews so well that they refused to enter into God's rest. And so God forced them to enter into his rest. And during that time of being forced to rest, they learned that the Word of God was alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. They learned that it was able to divide the soul and the the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and they learned that it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Now, as I think about that, so many times we say, well, I think I know what that guy's thinking. I think I know the motivation for why he is doing what he's doing. Uh, There is a wonderful Hebrew word for that. And it's called hogwash, right? We don't know uh, the intents of another person's heart. Uh, We don't know what another person is thinking. We don't know what motivates somebody else. Now, sometimes there are some indicators, but uh, I've discovered something about my heart. Jeremiah says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's why the Word of God is so powerful, because the Word of God will judge the thoughts and the attitudes of the hearts. And so I don't know about you, but a lot of times I'm not even sure why I do what I do. Sometimes I'll do the craziest thing and say, now, why in the world did I do that? Why in the world did I think that? And sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes we just do things that make no sense at all because we are highly flawed individuals. We fall short of the glory of God. And so the word of God is what will be the discerner of our thoughts. Now, as I think about how to grow in the Lord, you know, discipleship are the people of God who are filled with the spirit of God and they're fueled with that spirit of God and it can be part of a movement. You see, you don't have to advertise a fire. It advertises itself. Uh, if you see a car burning on the side of Interstate 64, uh, you don't have to say, well, I wish they put this on Facebook. I know everybody's going to be knowing about that fire. They're going to be able to see it for miles away. It's going to back up traffic for miles away. So you don't have to advertise a fire because it advertises itself. I think the same is true when you become a follower of Christ. You don't have to go around uh, looking for opportunities to share the gospel. God just opens up these doors for you, and you just walk through them. Now, what we need to be concerned about is some dangers, okay? And so we're going to look at these five dangers as we have the overview of the book of Hebrews. But I want to drive home the point that the Word of God is so important because it's the Word that is going to get through the attitudes and the thoughts of our hearts, I came home last Saturday, and uh, as I entered into my home, my wife was a little bit uh, uh, upset. Uh, not, not off the chain upset, but she was concerned. And I said, well, honey, what's the problem? She says, well, you won't believe it. She says, we have an owl in the backyard. And I said, well, we've got owls back there in the, in the woods that are kind of behind our house, and I, I, I very rarely see them, uh, but I hear them. And uh, my dog goes out there and he barks at him uh, at all crazy hours of the, of the night. And so I hear these owls, but I don't usually see them. And she says, well, we have an owl that is injured in the backyard and he cannot fly. And so she was afraid to do anything with it, afraid to send the dog out there because those talons of that owl would rip you apart. And of course, an animal that is hurt is more prone to probably attack you. And so we tried calling around uh, animal control and nobody seemed to want to do it. And finally. We find somebody, a couple, a lovely couple from Norfolk, Virginia, and they were willing to drive all the way down to Currituck to rescue this owl. And I remember when they came, and I said, well, I sent him a picture of the owl, and they wanted to see what was wrong with the owl. Can't really tell from the picture, but he noticed something that I didn't notice about the picture of the owl, and I'll talk to you about that in just a moment, okay? So they came, and as they're trying to capture this injured bird, he told me, I said, now listen. When these owls, well, when they're injured like this, he says, sometimes they can't fly. But all of a sudden, when you try to capture them, they will instinctively fly. Even though their mind says they can't fly, but their instinct will take over and they'll fly. And sure enough, that owl that was in my yard all morning long, well into the afternoon, that could not fly, would not fly. All of a sudden, when, when this person tried to capture that owl, he was able to fly. And he got up on the fence post and he stood there just as proud as he could be. And so he went in the outside of the fence and tried to scare him back into the the fenced in the area. And uh, and wouldn't you know, that owl just went up over my house and landed across the street in my neighbor's front yard. And so they went over there and they were finally able to capture him. And so as they captured this short-eared owl, they noticed something about this owl and he pointed it out to me. He said, look at his eyes. And I could tell by the picture that one of his eyes was dilated, the other one wasn't. And so this individual says, now listen, this owl cannot fly, not because it has an injured wing... It can't fly because it probably has a concussion on the side of his head, whether that's nor'easter that we've had for the five days prior uh, to this uh, this owl being injured. Uh, somewhere along the line, something hit that owl or uh, somehow he, he got maybe hit by a branch or something and it injured the side of his head, so he his mind says he couldn't fly because of this injury. So they're going to nurse this owl back to health, and they asked if they could have permission to bring him back into my backyard when he's feeling better and healed up so they keep can be back in his natural habitat. Now, the reason I bring up the owl, okay, said, so what in the world does the owl have to do with the Word of God? When I looked at an owl, I thought for sure he had a broken wing. I-, I thought for sure the reason he cannot fly is because there's an injury to one of his wings. That wasn't the case. He could not fly because there was an injury to the side of his head. Many times in our lives, we think that we have the solution to the problems that we're encountering, that we're facing, and we're thinking, well, this is what I need to do. We are using our little pea brain to figure it out, and oftentimes we go in the wrong direction. Instead of consulting the Word of God, we come up with a self-diagnosis, and many times we are wrong. That's why it's so important to read the Word of God, not just read it, but study it, meditate on it. And then don't forget to apply it to your heart. Apply it to your life. That's where the Word of God becomes alive and active. Well, before we get too deep into this verses of Hebrews 4, 11, and 12, let me give you an overview of the book of Hebrews. There are five dangers, okay? Danger number one. Now, these are very important dangers, okay? Danger number one is drifting. The children of Israel who redeemed by the blood and the power of God, they drifted from the truth. Remember when they were at Mount Sinai, Moses is going up to get the Ten Commandments. And as Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, the children of Israel made a golden calf. And as you think about this golden calf, they even said, well, you know, this thing just jumped out of the fire. I don't know how that happened. It just jumped out of the the fire. It's like, oh yeah, right. It just jumped out of the fire. Okay. I No, no, you formed it, you molded it, and then you started worshiping it. And what is so significant about a golden calf? Here we have the nation of Israel that was freed from Egyptian bondage. They are in the wilderness, and they start to worship an Egyptian calf. That's why they get the idea to worship a golden calf. They learned that from the Egyptians. You see, they got out of Egypt, but Egypt never got out of them. And I, and I want you to know, that sin of worshiping that golden calf cost them dearly. Now, as we look at Hebrews chapter 2, it says this, we must, and this is verses 1 through 3, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. So that we don't drift away. So, listen to the word, pay careful attention to it, to what you have been told through God's word, so that you don't drift away, because we have this tendency to drift away. Verse 2 says, For the message spoken through the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was conformed to us by those who heard him. Oh, what is Paul telling us? He's saying, listen to the message of God's word. Don't drift from it because God's word is binding. And every time we violate God's word, every time we are disobedient to God's word, there is a punishment. Now, sometimes that punishment is delayed because God is merciful to us. But there is a point where God says, enough is enough. And he says, how are you going to escape if you ignore this great salvation? You see, the Lord announced the salvation. The year of the Lord came. When Christ came, he announced the gospel. And then it was confirmed by those who heard him, the lives that were changed. And so as I think about the power of the Bible, I read and I study God's word, and it will keep me from drifting. But we are prone to drift, aren't we? Uh, we have this tendency to to get away from the will of God, and it's not anything that we intentionally do, right? I don't think anybody intentionally says, well, I want to drift from God. You know, I don't think anybody comes to the Lord and gives himself completely over to Christ and says, well, the goal of my life now is to be a big disappointment to everyone who believes in the faith, and I'm going to drift away. No, drifting happens without intention. Uh, you think about driving down the road. I'm so glad we have these things called the rumble strips on the side of the road because sometimes I'm not paying attention, right? I'm fiddling with this or fiddling that or my mind's somewhere else and all of a sudden I hit that rumble strip and it awakens me and it tells me, you're drifting, you better get back in the lane. God does the same thing to us. He says you better get back in the right lane. Uh, You may think something is causing you to get off track and, and you're wrong about it and so God's word awakens us, okay? So danger number one, the danger of drifting. Danger number two is the danger of not resting. Now, after leaving Mount Sinai, the nation of Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. The nation in that generation, they accepted God's wonderful gift of salvation, but they perished in the wilderness. Why? They continued not a life of faith. They refused to live a life of faith. As a matter of fact, over 1 million Israelites perished. Over 1 million. You know, not too long ago, uh, they made the announcement that 1 million people have died from COVID. Now, that's a terrible thing, that 1 million people have died from COVID. You know there's something worse than 1 million people dying from COVID? It's 1 million people dying without Christ. Uh, That's why we do this radio broadcast, so that those who are listening can have a hope The hope is found in Jesus Christ, and not only does he give you everlasting life, but he gives you the opportunity to cease from labor. You see, when we are saved, we are saved by faith. The just shall also live by faith. Now, that is a danger of doubting, of not walking by faith as a believer. We will miss his rest. Now, this is how Paul puts it in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse number 1, therefore, Since the promise of entering his rest still stands, okay, that means that we still are given this promise, okay? As followers of Christ, we are saying that because of what Jesus has done for us, we are living a life of faith. We are no longer trusting our works to get us to heaven. We can rest in the fact that Jesus paid it all. All of our sins was paid, the past, the present, and the future, and we can have that confidence and that rest in him. And so that promise of rest still stands. And so he says, let us be careful that none of you can be found falling short of it. For we have also heard the good news and we've had it proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who believed. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said, so I declared on an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So there's a specific holding back of the Israelites going into the land of Canaan, which is called the land of rest, the promised land. They didn't go in because they didn't enter into God's rest. So danger number one, the danger of drifting. Danger number two, the danger of not resting. And then we have the third danger. And this is found in Hebrews 5 and 6. And I would call this the danger of not maturing, not wanting to grow up, right? Uh, That was the state of the nation of Israel as they were entering into the Canaan uh, land. And and as they go into the Canaan land, they're going to be under judges and kings and prophets. But they never grew up as a nation. You know, as you think about life, you can't help but grow old. It's just going to happen, right? Uh, You don't have to do anything to grow old. It's just going to happen. Time uh, will do its toll on us, and we are getting older. Everybody grows old, but not everybody grows up. You see, they were never able to use the word of God in their lives, and they didn't apply it to life situations, and the result was that thousands upon thousands perished. And you look at all the conflicts that the nation of Israel has had with the Assyrians and with the Babylonians, and and, and time after time, they would not grow up, and so God would allow them to be captured by an enemy. Now we find this really driving home in Hebrews chapter five and six, but let me just pick up a a portion of that scripture, Hebrews chapter five, 11, and we'll go down to verse four of chapter six. Paul says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. So Paul is driving home the point that we have a lot to say about maturing in the Lord, but you don't want to hear it. You're not even trying to understand it anymore. Uh, You kind of have settled in it. That's where I am, and it kind of reminds me of my son when he was learning to ride a bike. And he figured I can't ride a bike, and and he stopped trying. And I said, Listen, if you don't give up, you can learn how to ride a two wheel bike. And once you learn it, it just becomes natural, right? And you get that muscle memory going. And and somebody says, You know, once you learn how to ride a bike, you never forget. And so uh, he fought through there, and he finally learned to ride a two wheel bike. But here we see the nation of Israel. They didn't want to understand any longer. They said, I don't want to dig into the deeper things of God. Uh, I just want uh, him to be like my good luck charmer or my rabbit's foot, right? And uh, you think about a rabbit's foot. I remember growing up, that was a popular thing to do, right? You had a rabbit's foot. And I said, you know, that rabbit wasn't very lucky because it cost him his foot. And you're walking around with that thing, thinking you're going to get some good luck because you have a rabbit foot. And so Paul continues on by saying, he says, you know, in fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers, But you still need somebody to teach you the elementary truth of God's word over and over again. You need milk, not solid food. You can't handle the solid food. Paul says, anyone who lives on the milk, being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. Now, this is a very important point. I don't want to just brush through this point. In verse number 13, it's one of the proofs of a person who is maturing is that they are, are acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, or we can say right living. You know, somebody asked me one time, well, what does it mean to be a mature believer in Christ? It means that I act, think, and live like Jesus. Now, that involves teaching and it involves knowing God's Word, even memorizing God's Word. You can do all those things without being mature, Christian biblical maturity is, I am like Jesus in all parts of my life, from the way I think, to the way I spend my money, to how I invest my time, all these things are all encompassing that involve our maturity to become like Christ. Paul says in verse number 14, we're going back to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. So, as we look at this point here, we discover that those who have trained themselves, you know, to to, to live good, they are maturing. So, there's a disciplined process that is involved in being a follower of Christ. Paul goes into chapter number six, and and this is probably not a good place for a chapter heading, in my opinion, uh, because I think 511 to 6.4 should be one paragraph. But in verse number one of chapter six, it says... Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and let us be taken forward to maturity, not by the laying again, uh, the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God. Pause on saying, you don't have to get saved again. Uh, you don't have to go back to those uh, that repentance of salvation. There's often daily repentance, but we're already saved. We're confessing our sins. We're not going back and getting saved again. Now, part of that is a maturing process. When I was a kid, Uh, coming along in my youth years, I think I prayed the sinner's prayer 25, 30 times. And I would listen to a pastor preach a sermon and he'd say something like, well, if you're doing such and such, maybe the reason you're doing such and such is because you're not saved. And he would say that. I said, well, I I just did that. And uh, I just did what he said I ought not to be doing. If I did that, I'm probably not saved. And so I'd get saved again. You know, my problem wasn't that I wasn't saved. I was immature in the faith. You know, the more I studied God's word, the more mature I became in the faith. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 1 John 5, 13 says, These things have I written unto you that you may know that you are born again. Right? Uh, You know it from God's word. The more you get into God's word, the less you will doubt your salvation. So Paul says, verse number 2, chapter 6, Hebrews, instruction about the cleansing rites and the laying on of the hands and the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment And God permitting, we will do so. And then he says something that is very unusual in verse number four. He says, it's impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul is setting up an argument here, and he's saying, now, listen, it's not that you're not saved. It's that you've never grown up. And as you grow up, you will mature in the faith. You will become living a life that is distinguishing between good and evil. You'll be training yourselves. You'll be getting beyond the milk of the word, getting into the meat of the word. Now, Paul says if it was at that point where you're that enlightened, it's impossible for you to lose that salvation. You don't have to worry about falling out of grace, right? Because he says if you could lose your salvation, it would be impossible for you to get it back, because that would have been the one sin that Christ didn't cover on Calvary. And I want you to know that if you are are having trouble maturing, it's probably because you're not in the Word. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you have been born again, your life has been changed, and there's a love for God's people, and it could be that you're not maturing because you're not only not getting into God's Word, you're not applying it to your life. The nation of Israel never grew up as a nation. God expects us to not just grow old in our walk with him, but to grow up in our walk with him to become more like Christ. So there is this danger of drifting. There is this danger of not entering into rest. There is this danger of not maturing. Here's the fourth danger. It is the danger of deliberately or willfully sinning. Now, here's a picture of the nation at the time of the first coming of Christ. They kept on sinning. Willingly. Christ even spoke a a parable against this generation in Luke chapter 20. It's also recorded in Matthew 21. Consequently, the Lord Himself says, The blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, shall be required of this generation. And as you think about what uh, is being alluded to here, we have a generation that was willfully sinning. And as a result of that, the intertestament period, there is a period of 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. What happened then? It was a dark age, right? The voice of the Lord was not spoken. The word of the Lord was not declared because the people were deliberate in their sin. And as a result, we discover as we get into the New Testament time, Josephus actually tells us that millions of Jews perished in AD 70 under the Roman general Titus. The nation had committed this willful sin, they gave themselves willfully over to the enemy, and that's where Christ was crucified. And then 70 years later, it got so bad that the Jews perished under that Roman general. They were deliberately sinning. Well, I want to invite you to join me tomorrow because we're going to pick up the last danger, and that is the danger of indifference. So join me tomorrow as we spend some time together looking at the book of Hebrews, and if you have time between today and tomorrow, I want you to specifically look at Hebrews 4, 11 through 12. Let us make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will perish by the following of their example of disobedience. We're going to talk about four benefits of the Word of God. The Word of God is alive, it's active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Well, I hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And I look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. If there's anything that I can help you with, you are welcome to shoot me a text. Uh, that's one of the best ways to get a hold of me. Shoot me a text message. My uh, cell phone number is 252-267-2365. 252 252- 267 267-2365 If you send me a text message, I promise that I will reply to that text message. If I can pray for you or pray with you, I'd be happy to do that. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. You have made my day by listening today, and I'm going to pray a prayer blessing upon you. Now, be safe as you travel. I look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash five five seven, or you can listen on Amazon Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.